Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and I'm joined by my fellow NUFC Vavil office writer, Dan Wright. We were going to get Alex on. The trio were all ready, but his mic's not working. He's got terrible echo, so he's having to miss out for, well, for another week. We're starting to think we're cursed at this point, so hopefully for the next episode. We should all be together, but we'll address the elephant in the room first. If you were living under a rock this weekend, you may not know that Cristiano Ronaldo was playing for Man United against Newcastle. He scored two goals, done that celebration, and we lost 4-1. The pair of us were, were both at Old Trafford on Saturday, and regardless of the result, we had a great day out, um, contrary to what the Man United fans believe. Dan, what was it like to, to be there? Because it was a it, it felt like a different game of football, didn't it? If It almost felt that it was bigger than a football match. It, it was just an odd experience, I thought. Yeah, I found the whole thing completely tedious, to be honest. Like, walk, walking up the ground and it's like, yeah, we get it. You've signed Ronaldo. Let Just let everyone just shut up about it for five minutes. It, it's boring. Like, yeah, it's a good signing. He's a fantastic player. But, yeah, it, it did seem weird. Everything was just so Ronaldo-based. Get your Ronaldo scarf. Get your Ronaldo flag. It's basically them sort of saying, yeah, Ronaldo's bigger than Manchester United. That's what it felt like. I mean, he is. I would. I think he's bigger than any club, to be honest, at, at this point. I've got to say that I've never seen so many replica shirts mm. in my whole life. Newcastle, obviously, for many reasons. I would say one in four fans at St James's Park have a shirt on. Every single person, it felt like, at Old Trafford in that home end had a brand new Man United shirt, Ronaldo 7 on the back, Champions League badges. Same fan base that want their owners out of the club. 
but we'll, yeah. we're not going to get on that because we're not experts on that. But did you feel that the Ronaldo influence had us beat before a ball was kicked? Um, no, not really. I don't think it made too much effect on the pitch. I didn't think, other than obviously, you know, I know Ronaldo scored twice, but he wasn't. He didn't have his best game. I'm sure he, once he's got bedded in, he'll get a lot better than that for Manchester United because obviously he's the world class player, one of the best players that's ever lived. But his goals were, you'd say, on the lucky side, goalkeeping errors. But and actually, from Newcastle's point of view, we didn't look beaten. We we actually played pretty all right. I thought, like there wasn't a great deal to complain about. Yeah, I agree. I, I I was watching that in the stands, and when it got to four one, it was like there's just no way this this mm. should be four one, because I thought we were lucky to be a goal down before half time. It was a big mistake from Woodman and Ronaldo. He, He's well-renowned. He, he, he makes perfect runs. He's in the right place at the right time. It's why he scores so many goals. and It's why people hail him as the, as the greatest player of all time. So we, we conceded right on the stroke of half-time, which was a hammer blow. The crowd were well up for it. You know, it was Ronaldo fever uh, in the home end. Second half, I, I, thought we, I thought we had the better chances in the first half, to be honest. I thought we had... I thought we were... I wouldn't say we were the better side, but we were, were good value for a, to be level. Second mm, half, we're, I think I was sitting at half-time, I was like, you know, we're not out of this yet. Give us one opportunity and, and by hell we took it. Probably the best goal we've scored all season. Almiron drives the ball 40, 50 yards. St. Maximin teed up Javi Mankiw, of all people, who slams it home. And I have not seen, seen I've not experienced scenes in an away end like that for a very long time. Uh, it just made the, it made the trip. I think every Newcastle fan going down there knew we'd lose, but it it was just more it was more annoying that we'd lost four one more than like getting beat. It, it it's a weird one to say, but it was a two one sort of game. There was mm. no way that match was a four one, but I think we just addressed it before we started this podcast. We said a couple of weeks ago, fitness was a big issue for these players, and it showed again playing against world class players. We were a yard too short in the final 20 minutes and a team of that quality are going to make you pay. And, and they ultimately did with the two goals at the end, didn't they? Yeah, just a bit of quality where Newcastle, like you say, maybe didn't have the legs to close down quick enough, certainly for the Fernandes goal. He just had so much time and space. And yeah. if you give a world-class player time and space to pick out a shot from distance, the chances are they're going to have a good chance of scoring. So, yeah, again, it, it is worrying because we can't really compete with most teams when we're at full capacity anyway, let alone if we're giving them an extra 10% in the last 10, 15 minutes. So there's something that we know needs looking at, but it was a good performance on the whole, I thought. So I'm not any more worried than I was pre-match, which is the, which is the first time I've said that this season, I think. <laughs> It's going to go down as a thrashing. Like, people will not look at yeah, past yeah. the scoreline. We got thumped. We lost 4-1. But consider we've lost our best striker out for six weeks. Just a massive hammer blow. We'll get onto that a little bit later. Our third-choice goalkeeper uh, in between the sticks is the man we're going to focus on now, though. Freddie Woodman. Uh, there was a lot of adulation about him at the start of the season. Obviously, he had his op- he had his Jordan-Pickford opportunity, should we say, with Darlow and Dubravka both you know, unavailable for selection. And... Um, we spoke at the start of the season saying we were quite excited to see what Woodman can do. Of course, he's got massive potential. England under-20 World Cup winner. Uh, he's had a great couple of seasons at Swansea. Maybe this is his opportunity to stake his claim to be the number one for this club for the next you know, f- 
you could say as long as 10 years and the first three games we've, we'd conceded a lot of goals but you can't really blame him for anything it was he made a couple of good saves but the, the chances he did concede he was either unlucky or they were unsavable mm. but both of Ronaldo's goals on Saturday were easily avoidable I must say the first one's a, it's a criminal mistake Greenwood shot and he's just parried the ball out not caught it and, and flapped that at Ronaldo's pounced and for his second goal it's straight at him and it's gone through his legs yeah. play the play the devil's advocate here I'm sure Woodman will probably in defence would say to that is he thinks Ronaldo's going to aim for the corner and he's gone through his legs but I don't think a, a, prof- a Premier League goalkeeper should be getting nutmegged in the middle of his goal from a shot mm. from any football player. So what do you think about this, Dan? Do you think he's blown his opportunity of being number one? And do you think Carl Darlow, who we think is 100% fit now, should be reinstated for that Leeds game? It really does feel like he's had this opportunity and it was always going to be a limited amount of games at the start of the season and he just hasn't really taken it, you'd say. He'd been okay without excelling or without looking bad in the, before Manchester United, but he certainly didn't have any credit in the bank so that one bad performance would mean he's out of the team and now that bad performance has come and it, it, two very poor mistakes you have to think that if Darlow is ready he needs to come in because Darlow did fan- unlike Woodman Darlow came in and made some incredible saves kept Newcastle in games and that's what we need the way we play and if Do- would, and that's why Darlow must come back in obviously we don't know if he's 100% after Covid or not but if he is he comes in and yeah, it's a shame because, like you say, I was looking forward to seeing what Woodman could do because he's very highly rated by Swansea. He's always been very highly rated by the England setups that he's been involved in, won the World Cup on the 17s, but it just, he just hasn't taken the opportunity and we can't allow, just because everyone thinks he's a good young player, for that to cloud the judgment. Darlow absolutely deserves to be the goalkeeper for the Leeds game. Spot on, Dan. I think we've got the, we can't take risks at this point as well. We've had a dire start mm. of the season. We're desperate to pick up points. Uh, if we've got to be brutal and, and drop Woodman after four games, then let it be. If we're going to have someone in between the sticks that can win us games and, and grab us valuable points on his mm. own. And that's what Carl Dahl had done last season. We've said yeah. this countless of times on here. It was extremely harsh that Martin Dubravka came in and, and took his number one spot essentially straight back from his injury. And in all fairness... I would say Darlow was better than Dubravka last season. Yes, he made a couple of good saves, but I, I still think that, that Dubravka wasn't, didn't really warrant the number one shirt last season. I thought Carl Darlow should have had it for the rest of the year. That's a discussion we'll have, and maybe he can, he can hang on to this now, Darlow. He'll see this as a massive mm-hmm. opportunity for him too. We think Dubravka's going to be back around December time. You're coming into a busy run of fixtures then as well. So I think we're all in agreement that Freddie Woodman's had his chance it's, it's, a, it's harsh it's really harsh but yeah. the club were going to loan him to the championship so that just makes you it tells you what they think of him they value Darlow and Dubravka above him and we don't want a keeper of you know his age being on the bench so unfortunately it's it's just not really worked out for him I think anyone would have had a difficult time against Man United on Saturday but you've got you can't look past the two mistakes that he made for Ronaldo's goals mm-hmm. so we'll move on from the Man United game actually before we do Joel Willock I thought he had a really good game. I didn't realise he actually made nine tackles in the match. I thought midfield-wise, I thought we, we coped really well. Yes, we sat deep, but yeah. Sean Longstaff has been good the last two games, I thought. He was probably man of the match against Southampton. Almiron got a lot of criticism. I'll put my hands up and say I didn't actually want him playing the game on Saturday. Yeah, I just think he's, he's, been, he's been poor the first three games. 
quality for Mancu's goal, had a good game. So that we can take some positives out of that. Do you see Shelby coming back in if he's fully fit for the Leeds game, or do you think we stick with that that midfield three of that we had at the weekend? For a game against Leeds, I wouldn't have Shelby anywhere near the starting eleven. I think that's just so energetic you need and legs, so don't you? Yeah. leggy. And was it Shelby? Quote I remember in about playing Leeds last season, saying like he was telling people like stop moving and it was Rodrigo, just, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Rodrigo. He yeah, turned around. With, apparently, said to him, "He's like, why are you running? You just like <laughs> pointless running." Which, to be fair, yeah. is quite funny. But considering the shambles that we are at the minute, it's not like John Joe like pull your finger on, yeah. get some graft done. And Rodrigo responded, "Was like, I have to run on my my bottle, like shout at me, which is great." Like, yeah. that's why Leeds are doing so well. Yeah, exactly. But, no, I, w- I wouldn't have a full fit. John Shelby playing against a Leeds United side, let alone a, a one who's just come back from injury. I think Shelby has got a role to play because we've seen how weak our midfielders this season. But I think you've got a, horses for courses and Shelby will, would not benefit playing against Leeds because he would, he's not prepared and he, he's not able to do the running needed to cope with that, I think. Almiron I actually was really good for us. I thought he was probably our best player on the pitch. Willock was good as well. You mentioned him. He's dece- deceptively good going back as well as forward. Yeah. I've, I've noticed like he, the amount of times he just nips in before an attacker wins a foul or takes the ball forward. He's really quite smart at that. And I think it could work. I'd still be a little bit nervous about going with a trio like that in the midfield. But it could work. It could. We'll get on to Leeds uh, a little bit later on, but we've got to talk about Steve Bruce. Very vocal away ends uh, when we went 3-1 down in particular. We want Brucey out chance. Nearly every single fan of that away end was joining in with that one. Uh, we'll not talk about the, the Brucey out chance because we pretty much hear that every game now, but we are going to talk about his, his post-match comments to the press. Snapped at Lee Ryder from the Chronicle in particular. I think me and Dan know personally he's been wanting to do that for a while. But he blamed the Chronicle for the way the fans are. And he said, was it, that's why they're the way they are. That, that's another reason why the fans are so against him at the minute, is because he yeah. refuses to acknowledge them. For me, I just feel he has no time for the supporters. Yes, they're going to be on his back, but all he had to say, he got asked a question, didn't he, by the Shields Gazette, and it was, what did you make of the chance? And he turned around and said, well, I can't answer that, what can I say? What he could have said was, Steve, was that the fans were fantastic, they've spent the hard-earned money, Travelling down to Manchester to watch you lot play, put in a decent performance, but the fans were brilliant. And for the majority of the game, outsung a, a 75,000 plus Old Trafford who have just signed one of the biggest legends of their club. That in itself mm. is, an, is an achievement. Dan, what did you make of the comments? Because once again, I just found it incredibly condescending, not toward, you know, towards the Chronicle and towards the fan base as well. Yeah, I mean, the, these are the type of comments which is why he's so unpopular. I, I wasn't saying I want Brucey out because we were getting beat 3-1 off Manchester United because, I, I like I said before, the performance was all right. Yeah. They, they, put a, they made a good account of themselves. It's comments like this that we've had time and time again that have gone pretty much unpunished as a result of not being any fans in. And he's still coming out with them and I don't know where he gets it from. There was a time when I thought he, he was just... So he was sort of mischoosing his words or something or just not coming out the way he wanted them to. But now he just has no respect for the fan base whatsoever. And it's like, it's exhausting because he claims to be one of us and he's just so clearly has a discontent for the fans and he doesn't like doesn't like us. 
he thinks that we're out to get him, which is a load of nonsense. We're not really, we just it want the best really for a football club. It's a load of nonsense. And comments like blaming the media, it's just, it was Pardew-esque. I mean, the Chronicle even said that, didn't they? Like, we, where have we heard this before? Yeah. When Pardew blamed them for, for the bad run results. And it, it's just, you don't need, when you're under pressure, you don't need to rile up the press or rile up the fans. It's just, it's stupidity, to be honest. If we win against Leeds, there'll not be Brucey out chance. And if we go, if we win two or three games, it'll be like, it'll seem. But it's it's always going to be simmering away. And as soon as we lose a game, go on a bad run, it's always going to be there because you can't disrespect the fan base like that. And that's what people in the the media who always come out and defend him, they don't understand that. It's the lack of respect he's shown and coming out with saying positives all the time when we get beat. Fair enough, Manchester United, I'll agree there was positives, but it's like it's an insult to the support base's intelligence. And there's one thing I'd say about Newcastle fans is we can't be fooled by saying... Like, after the Aston Villa game, we lost 2-0. I was at that one as well. We were awful. And he's coming out saying there's positives. Like, how thick does he think we are? Yeah. You can't get away with it. And he's got away with it for too long because of the situation with no fans being let in. And he, it's over now. He's going to... As soon as Newcastle go 1-0 down, it doesn't matter what there is, how they're playing, he's going to be told what the fans think of him. Do you think he's the most hated manager this club has had? Like, is he hated more than Steve McLaren? Because I think he is, to be honest. I never felt there was that much hatred towards McLaren. There, Maybe was, for the Bo- there was for the Bournemouth game. The Bournemouth was, game there was, was yeah. after, He was sacked straight after that. Because that was pretty much inevitable at that point that we are going down. I felt like McLaren, he was more of a... He was a better man. Like, he, he, was, he had respect for the fan base. He was terrible. He was a terrible manager. Like he he was shocking for us, and but I never felt that there was a level of hatred on a personal level. Like with Steve Bruce, some of the things that he said about the fan base, it feels almost personal from his point of view. I think it has. To be honest, I think he's took it as personal from day one because he's jumped into Rafa's job. Yeah. Whoever whoever came in, unless it was a Mourinho or a Pep, was going to get an extremely yeah. difficult time off the fans. And the yeah. fact it was a re- it was a very very underwhelming appointment to go from a mm. Champions League winning manager to Steve Bruce. No disrespect yeah. to him, I think he, I'm sure he'll admit it himself as a is a is a big downgrade. And I think he's had a personal vendetta against the fans from day one. I'm I'm not fighting to say that. I do I do feel he has. But blaming the Chronicle for the way they are. I mean, who's they, Steve? Oh yeah, that's another they. thing. Don't don't accuse. Don't it almost downgrades them and like sort of belittles the fan base as a group, but just diss them off as they I, oh we re- might be yeah. reading too much into that but it's just it's really not a good look to say stuff like that about your f- fan base and the local media like you're winning no f- no friends whatsoever well uh, to be honest it's not the Chronicles fault that we lost was it we won two games in 22 or 21 last yeah. season so if that's the Chronicles fault then, then we, need, we need to shut them down because <laughs> <laughs> uh, but really yeah they really do have a lot to answer for they have, they have a lot to answer for uh, but the comments were... It's not the thing is, it's not the most outlandish thing that Steve Bruce has said to the media in, in, since he's arrived at this football club. But I do feel yeah. we are reaching the end game with him at this club. The Maybe. club came out and publicly defended him again. Well, they didn't quite publicly, but it, it came through from certain journalists. that It was obviously they, briefed. It was briefed. Through. They, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're, they're sticking by him. Uh, it's they're, they're playing with fire. They had a very, very close shave with relegation last season. Yeah, I think they're going to come even closer this season. And, yeah, and definitely. Ma- and the, the favourites to go down in my eyes. Yeah. Also, another thing with the the local media thing, like you had to go at Lee Ryder for asking the question about did you go on holiday, and like 
all he's doing there is the job that the fans would want him to do and ask questions yes. that's been on all of our minds. No, yeah. And and he's like, how can he palm that off and be like, well, we had six players off with nationally. First of all, it was only five because Almiron wasn't allowed to go. Yeah. And it's the like, rest of the how, squad, regardless of five, yeah, have they been yeah. for training? You don't see a Sunday league manager cancelling training if no. five of his 20 playing squad can't make it. They still train. Like, how can he try and make that seem like just a little in in insignificant thing? I, I don't know. I, it it's really it it's baffling. It, surely he knew he was going to get criticism for going on holiday. Like regardless, you know, look at the terrible start we've had to the season. We picked up one point from the first three games, scored a, a, a goal in the 90th minute to essentially win a game, and still threw it away. Fitness massive concern. They look off the pace. You know, you've got pundits even saying that as well. Who've got no connection to this football club, saying mm. they, these lot don't look fit enough. And your first team coach has, has swanned off on a jet to holiday to his villa in Portugal, which he's entitled to. In all fairness, if he wants to go on holiday, he can. But he has just had eight weeks off. Yeah, surely you know it's not a good look for for him, especially Steve Bruce. He's massively under fire at the minute, and little things like this are going to rile the fan base up. And the Chronicles' position is the local media is they are the voice for. Newcastle, they are the voice for the fans and there was absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with Lee Ryder asking that question but Steve clearly knew it was going to come up because he seemed well briefed on it. I mean, he said that the preparation was meticulous for the game but it clearly wasn't because we got beat 4-1 so <laughs> and that was the best performance of the season probably. and it was the best that, that's, that's <laughs> the startling thing about it because I got asked yeah. by Johnny our editor-in-chief who, who was, they were doing the podcast that weekend he said like, what do you think of the game and I said look we lost 4-1 it was our best performance of the season and we didn't play too bad <laughs> that sums up Newcastle United at the minute is it a coincidence that the best performance of the season comes after Bruce has been on holiday <laughs> and leaving it to leaving it to Graham Jones <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know whether they were in training I think they were off all week yeah probably they, well he said they were in every day building up the game and I hope they're in every day for the Leeds game but back to what I was saying before I think we're at the end game with Bruce don't think this will last too much longer I, I hope not for the sake of my football club especially after the transfer window and everything happened on deadline day the club statement bad run of form this can't go on much longer do you think if he loses to Leeds and loses to Watford his position is absolutely more untenable than it was after that defeat to Brighton last season I don't think you can get more untenable than that Brighton game. That was just, it. De- oh, it depends on the manner, doesn't it? Really, actually, like the manner of the Brighton game was what made it so untenable mm-hmm. at the yeah. time. And I think, are we in the end game? I'd usually say no with with Newcastle because we we've stuck by him forever because he's just sort of towed the party line and whatever. But recently, you get the feeling that even Bruce is starting to get a bit worked up. I think that's why by... he snapped at Lee Ryder. To be honest, I think yeah. he's annoyed at the club at the minute. Is that why he went on holiday? Because like, well, you're not giving me what be. I want. It could be. That's like, what, yeah, I've you're, heard that from you're not giving months. me 100%. Why should I give you 100%? And it's like, yeah, I think I can see it happening. But then again, I can't see him walking. I can't see him walking away from the job and away from the compensation and whatever. And can you really see Newcastle parting with a few million quid to get rid of him? This is I can thing. just see them ending up staying in sort of a passive-aggressive sort of situation where they're both waiting for each other to make a decision and no one's going to do anything. So I, I genuinely don't think we are in the end game of Steve Bruce. I don't think there's any chance of him resigning because nah. if he was going to do that, he would have done that last season after the Brighton game. He's looking for a payout. Many managers 
well, most football managers, it's what they do. Mourinho's the, the expert at getting payoffs. So whether the club are going to are willing to part ways with him. I don't know how much it is going to be to sack him. I couldn't. I assume it's seven figures to get rid of him. Well, it has to be. There's, there's no one really knows how long his contract is, is there? Because he said that his contract isn't up at the end of the season. But I was under the impression it was an initial three-year contract. So I don't really know how long he's got and how long they'd have to. I think they give him another year at the end of last season, but they've obviously not publicised it anywhere. So it was a yeah. three-year deal. So the chances are his contract's up at the end of next. So man, that'll absolutely have been a Mike Ashley decision for anybody who's who's wondering on that. Don't get why they'd make that decision though. It, it's baffling. Like they know the fans don't like him. The results haven't been amazing. You'd think, okay, we're not going to sack him. We're not going to spend the money on sacking him. We'll let him walk away at the end of three seasons. I I don't understand. Do you this think it's a club. case of better with the devil you know? Because realistically, who did this club get in? Because they struggled like hell to get a manager appointed after Rafa left. No, good point. Also, can you get anyone that's going to be an improvement for as cheap as Steve Bruce? Well, Eddie Howe's the, the main person for me because he's worked with half the players. Worked with, I mean, did he work with Graham Jones? Can't remember Ooh, if he did. I, I don't know. Well, he was at Bournemouth. Know. I don't know whether they were at Bournemouth at the same time, but it makes a lot of sense. Free agent mm-hmm. will probably play a bit better football than him. But it's whether he wants to, to come is the ultimate thing. And I see if Bruce is to go, Graham Jones will probably take over on it caretake the business until something happens but I don't think yeah, like you said I, I, I just have a feeling we're not I think we're in the end game but I think he'll be here at least Christmas yeah I can't see it to answer your question before about these two games I don't it can be as untenable and as toxic as like I just can't see the trigger being pulled yet no I just think that they will they will sack him if we're rock bottom of the league and 10 points adrift personally yeah that's how I see it but we're going to move on to the, the Leeds game. Friday night football, 8 o'clock kickoff at St. James's Park. And I must say, this has all of the minerals to be a very, very toxic night on Tyneside. There's a planned protest. We've seen many of these in the past. How many of them work? Dare I say, not many. This is a new one. Uh, protest NUFC. Uh, they are seeking transparency for fans against the Premier League. So this is mainly a takeover-based protest. They've also said here that we want rid of Ashley and Bruce. Leeds is phase one. So the this is the plan for the, the game on Friday. Banners in the southwest corner and the east stand. I assume these would be anti-Ashley, anti-Premier League, anti-Bruce. Good luck with that. I do think the stewards will come and take them down. But yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see what advertising where you're going to put them. I wonder what's going to go wrong with that. Well, exactly. They're just going to put more security on that side and anyone <laughs> bringing in a banner that's offensive towards the club will be removed. Just like, remember the Sports Direct signs? Everyone used to rip yeah, them yeah. down and then like they'd either get kicked out or they just put new ones up. So we'll, we'll see what comes of that. And then here's another one. Paper planes on the pitch on 18 oh minutes gosh. for 18 months of delay and the furthest throw gets a prize. Really? Is this is this what we've is this what we've gone down to? Like, I mean, I mean Oldham, it's just... Oldham fans threw tennis balls in the pitch and sat in the centre circle. I don't see how a lot doing that. This tipsy iceberg for me. Whistles in every break of play. Oh my god, Joss! It's just tedious, isn't it? That it's not going to work because uh, people need to realise that Twitter Newcastle fans and Newcastle fans that go to the game are very very different. NUFC Twitter is massive, but it's nowhere near the match going. Fans, no, yeah. Like I would say, them because of the price of season tickets and that sort of thing, your average match goers' age is around the forty mark. Not a lot of them have Twitter. It's mostly the younger fans 
and not all of them are season ticket holders. So it's very, very difficult to get a protest like this going unless you... I think the best way it would be to do it is, is go around all the pubs, the labour clubs, the working man's clubs, if you want to try and make something, you know, try and make this work. And I'm, I'm intrigued. I will I will sit and, and see how this comes about. But this could get ugly on and off the pitch, couldn't it, on Friday? I mean, who thought it was a good idea to put Newcastle v Leeds on a Friday night? Everyone will be absolutely hammered. It'll be straight from the office, straight from work to the pub to the match. It's it's not a great combo, to be honest, especially with Le- Leeds will be bringing loads. I imagine there'll be a fair few in the home as well. Well, general sale, yeah. general sale, yeah. I would say there's, so, well, there was a lot of Leeds fans for the last time we played them in the championship when they scored in the 90th minute and we had about four yeah. of them getting thrown out the ground. Can we take confidence from the Man United game into this one? Because I do think we can. I know the manner of the defeat in the end was was poor, but Leeds have not had a good start of the season. They're one of only five teams, including us, who have not won a football game in the league this season. Yes, we know they're a fit side. They're, they're arguably a better team than us. I wouldn't say on paper they're better than us. I would argue that. Uh, it's going to be a tough match, but at home against a side who have also not won a game this season, we should be looking to win, shouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, we, we should really... I think we can definitely take positives from the Manchester United performance. We just need to back them up, and one maybe Leeds' attacking style will play in our hands because we look good against Manchester United, who obviously were very attacking. And Leeds don't have don't quite have the quality that Manchester United do, and I think if we can pick them off on the break with players going forward like your Almiron, Saint Maximins, etc then we do have half a chance against Leeds. And the fact that they've been an underwhelming start to the season does give you confidence as well. So, yeah, I think it's a game that we should be looking to win, for sure. Who do you think's the biggest danger man for Leeds? Uh, personally, Patrick Bamford, for me, his movement off the ball is excellent, especially how bad our defence is as well. Uh, we'll get mm, into the score yeah, predictions a in a second, but do you think, other than Bamford, maybe Rafinha? Rafinha's a very good footballer, I think. He's... He's tricky. He's going to cause defences. Certainly our defence, a few problems, I think. Well, interesting. About the defence, would you put Murphy back in, more attacking option, or would you stick with the goal scorer, Mancure? I'd stick with Mancure. I think he's better Didn't really put... I think he's better defensively about He's not really put a foot... Yeah, he's certainly better defensively than Mancure. He hasn't really... He never really seems to do much wrong when he plays Mancure, I don't think. I've, I've... I would say he's the best fullback at the club. I think that's pretty safe. Um, but another one, Paul Dummett, I would bring him back in. I'd, I'd whack him in centre off. Oh, I, think. I, I said I'd bring him back for Manu. I think if he's fit, he plays. I think it's a no-brainer. I think is if you surround him with, let's say Shaw also in that back three. I don't know why Bruce played Hayden centre half against. Yeah, that was an odd one, wasn't Manu, it? Manu, when you've got defenders on the bench, you think we're going to be defending a lot. Put your defenders in defence. Unless you want I'd... a ball playing centre back, and that's why you. No, put that's Aiden a in. good point because I think at times when we are are playing three at the back and none of them have got great passing range other than Shaw really, it just comes straight back a lot of the time. So I do get that sort that logic, and I suppose you can be more fluid in your tactics. Like you can easily go to a four if you've got Hayden because you just push him forward. But yeah, it it was a bizarre one. But yeah, for me, dumb it dumb it starts set and a half. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this one as well. It's make or break for Steve Bruce this game. Win on Friday, and you can 
you can look at the first four or five games of the season and go, it's not great, but it'll do four points on the board, a win against Leeds, a defeat. And I don't think we'll just lose this game 1-0. We're either going to win 1-0 or we'll lose 3 or 4. If he loses yeah. 3 or 4 nil, like you said, Friday night in Newcastle against Leeds, pubs are going to be round, people are coming straight from work. There's going to be hell on. I don't think the the ground this ground will be as toxic as we've seen it since the Pardew mm. days. Easily. It'll not be a, a nice place to be in if we do get battered. But it, it's, it doesn't really bear thinking about because you look back to the Pardew days and how toxic it was. You just, you just didn't, didn't really enjoy going to the match. No. Because it's like the team's playing rubbish and everyone's angry about it and you're angry about it. Like, I'm not having a go at the fans here for being toxic because I was part of that angry atmosphere, and it's it's rubbish because you just want to you you want to have faith in your football team, and we just don't at the minute. So if we do get on the end of a hiding, which could happen, yeah, it's it's not going to be fun. Uh, this feeling at the minute is a lot of what I felt at part of last season when we were on that terrible run was I don't mm. care anymore. Like, yeah, we're going to lose, just get it out the way. It was like the Aston Villa game when we lost 2-0 last season. You knew we were going to lose before ball was kicked. The Leeds game, we lost 2-1. You knew we were going to lose before ball was kicked. The Chelsea game, it just feels like we're rolling into matches every week and it's like, well, they're going to lose, aren't they? So we may as well just get it over and done with. Yeah, that, 100%. And, and a lot of the performances are exactly the same as the last one. Mm-hmm. It's just copy and paste, rinse and repeat, just the same, same, same. And it's just boring. And like you say, you do get to a point where you're like, you know what, I, just, I don't really care. We lost, oh, fine. I'll just go back to the pub. I don't really care. Probably the best time to, to end this podcast. Good chat, this uh, this one, this week. We've, we've covered quite a lot. Well, we actually haven't covered a lot, really. We've only covered three topics, but it feels like we've been on for a while. Yeah. <laughs> we'll end it like we usually do. Score prediction. Leeds United at home at St. James's Park. Dan, the floor is yours. I don't think we're going to get battered, although I, that is a possibility, obviously, like you just said. I think I'm going to go 1-1. I think we will fare better against Leeds. I think it'll be a game that we might have quite a few chances in, but I just can't see, without Callum Wilson up front, I can't see us putting away enough of them and I can't see us keeping them out at the other end. So I think 1-1 for me seems like the most realistic scoreline. I'm going to go 3-1 to Leeds. Probably my most negative score prediction uh, of the season, but this is just mm. how I feel at the minute with the club. West Ham counter-attacked against us to devastating fashion. I feel Leeds will do the same. I think we will go one nil down quite early on. There'll be hell on. Uh, we'll we'll pull it back to one one. Probably a set piece. The cells will score probably seventy seventy five minutes around that time, and then we will just we'll just counter-attack, swallowed up, uh, and beaten three one. I hope they prove me wrong. Desperate for a win, but like I said earlier. I don't care anymore. I just want. I just want. I just want everything to change. And I'm not the only Newcastle fan here. I'm sick of the club at the way they are at the minute. They're just existing for existence' sake. They're a just hollow... want the season to be over. Yeah, they're a hollow, soulless club. One day, we'll be back. But at the minute, the, the tough times are going to continue. But an interesting one before I do end it. Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher were on Monday Night Football last night. And they're heading up to Newcastle for the game on Friday. And apparently they're going to a working man's club in Newcastle to talk to the fans. Great opportunity this if it is if they're going to record this to put on you know Sky TV mm. just how the supporters feel because I do think that our messages do get changed a lot. It's like Chinese whispers, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I presume that'll be part of the the TV package, will it, for the the Leeds coverage? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I just hope that whoever they do it with, they get if someone who's going to like articulate the problems properly. Mm-hmm. And I, more than anything, I just hope they listen because more than often when you hear about stuff like this, you get oh, like, that might be alright, and then you just they come into they're it, whoever it is, and they're pushing it. their narrative, and they they're not really open. They're just wanting to get their side across instead of listening. And if they just li- take it all in, and then if they've got questions or come back with disagreements, fine. But as long as they can have an open and honest debate where they aren't just shut off, I, I think it has potential to be quite interesting. I mean, the good thing about Carragher and Neville, I rate them as the best two pundits on the TV, is they will counter back. And I want to see a bit of debate, to be honest. But I was I was listening to Neville last night, and he, he said that, obviously, they, they're both in agreement that Bruce isn't the biggest problem at Newcastle. It's Ashley. And Jamie Carragher, I think he's a lot more clued up on Newcastle mm-hmm. than Gary Neville is. And yeah. He just said that, that Bruce is like taking a lot of the stick really like usually it's always focused against Ashley but at the minute it feels like it's Bruce but I don't think they realise that there's the stuff that's been said in the press about the fans and th- yeah. there's a lot of stuff that is the reason why Bruce is essentially the number one target yeah 100% uh, but it's going to be an interesting night on Friday and we'll be back next week after this game to to review everything that's happened but this has been time warp brought to you by vavel uk make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of newcastle united the rest of the premier league and of course the efl the champions league and, and everything else that's going on basically from us two lads thank you very much for listening and we will catch you all next time sports social podcast network when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.